Hello, my name is Eva, and today I'm starting a short series about the assumptions surrounding the use of PowerPoint presentation when delivering learning. Now, it has been a while since I did an episode on learning, and for those of you who are new to this theme, which I do once in a while, I will briefly tell you, or perhaps remind you, that I am an educational consultant. I develop and deliver short courses and year-long education to health professionals, and I have specialized in conflict management and communication, especially within multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary teams working together. I am an avid user and an equally avid proponent of PowerPoints. But I think we all have, at some point, suffered through a presentation which had us all inwardly groaning for it to just stop. Whether it was a presenter never taking their eyes off their PowerPoints, or it was a veritable waterfall of far too many slides in far too short a period of time, PowerPoint presentation can be the best of worlds and certainly also the absolute worst. This has led to the formation of webinars and how-to courses where the worst offences are highlighted and good advice is given in how to avoid them. This has certainly been an essential part of the evolution of using PowerPoints PowerPoints which were first invented in the 1980s for business meetings, but now are an integral part of learning in schools, universities, and in my field of work, in continuing education for professionals. PowerPoint carry with them inherent pitfalls, which we as educators all too easily can slip into, fall, or even dive into. So, it is actually comforting to know that there is good advice to be had on how to use PowerPoints. But the available advice can in itself be a challenge. Advice, generally speaking, is the best of what we know right now. Which means that when giving advice, there is always a cutoff. On the one side, a cutoff from what might actually work but what we right now deem as being too risky. And on the other side, we will make a cutoff from what we as yet do not know or have not examined. But it seems to me that in our efforts to do the right thing when using PowerPoints, a narrative about absolute don'ts has emerged which can be interpreted rather stringently. In this following series, I will explore four well-known pieces of advice when using PowerPoints and offer four alternative perspectives on said advice. Why? Well, because I believe PowerPoints used well, used effectively, and not least used creatively can enhance and further the points that we as educators are trying to get across. The key word here, though, is creative. So how can we merge what we ought to do with what feels natural 
when we are delivering learning. The four pieces of PowerPoint advice I will explore will be number one, always maintain eye contact. Number two, never read directly from the PowerPoint presentation. I shall talk about these two today, and next time I will examine the following pieces of advice. Always have X amount of slides for X amount of minutes, and don't hand out your slides until the end of the course. So let's start. The first piece of advice, which I think everyone has heard numerous times, maintain eye contact with your audience. No one can argue against this statement, for it is essential for the human experience in general and for transfer of knowledge specifically that those listening feel a connection to those speaking. And the quickest way to establish a connection is from eye to eye. However, if I should look out on a lecture room in the year 2023, a good chunk of my audience, who are adult learners and professionals, are not necessarily seeking eye contact with me all the time. They might very well be jotting down their notes on their laptops, or, as was the case during COVID lockdown, eye contact, such as it was, was achieved by help of digital means. My claim, then, is not that eye contact is unimportant. It is very important. I only claim that the essence of eye contact can be achieved by other means other than eye to eye, and our learners are willing to go along with that. For the essence of eye contact is not looking at learners, but looking with learners, which simply means establishing contact, ensuring from the beginning that the learners feel that you as an educator have understood what their world is about. I have previously talked about this in a podcast about how to start an educational course. You may want to look up that episode if you wish. Looking with learners is also about responding to what catches the attention of the learners and thereby looking into that space in which transfer of knowledge will most likely occur. So, in summary, instead of the mantra, always maintain eye contact, I would claim the important thing is for the educator to take responsibility for establishing contact by acknowledging the professional or student world from whence the learners came. The second piece of popular advice about PowerPoints is never read directly from your slides. This piece of advice is good advice, and it probably stems from those experiences in which presenters more or less turn their backs on the audience and seem to communicate solely with their own densely written PowerPoints and not at all with the learners, and thereby losing contact with those listening. When presenters do this, they are many times using their PowerPoints as the source of knowledge and themselves as the microphone of knowledge, which all empirical and scientific studies show 
is not conducive to communicating knowledge which has to be transferred from the lecture room to an everyday professional workplace. But most educators spend time and effort in producing their PowerPoints with attention paid to the clarity of the text. It might very well be that those nine lines of text on your PowerPoint is the best way of explaining a complex detail. So why then should the educator have to invent yet another way of explaining it orally for the sake of maintaining contact with the learners? Is there a way of bridging these two demands of contact on the one hand and clarity on the other? My answer would be yes. If an educator were to maximize the use of PowerPoints, not as a source of knowledge, but as a chosen method of communication, then there are arguments to be made for how and when to directly read from the presentation. When I have a point to make where I want all present to achieve a uniform understanding of a subject, I will sometimes read from the text. And since I don't do it all the time, this will signify to the learners the importance of the text as the phenomenon within the lecture room, rather than me trying to aim for the individual's understanding of a problem, which is what images are very good at. They are very good at making the individual form an understanding of the problem or the subject at hand. But if I am going for a uniform understanding, text can sometimes do that work. The actual sentences aid the learners in how to remember the point. In this way, the form of the PowerPoint, the lettering of the sentences, and the physical turning towards the PowerPoint slide, that is me as an educator physically turning around to look at the PowerPoints, is a way of actively using the device of PowerPoint as a deliberate method of communicating knowledge. And this enhances the transfer of knowledge far more than using slides as a source of knowledge. So in summary, instead of the mantra, never read directly from the slides, I would claim that reading directly can be used as a learning method when wanting to get a particular point across. Now, the thing is, of course, about one particular method is that this one method can be absolutely great for some things and less so for other things. So simply reading directly from start to finish will most certainly mean that knowledge points better delivered by other methods will not come across as effectively if you only utilize reading directly from slides all the time or if you only utilize the art of improvisation all the time. My point is, there are perspectives and there are dimensions to the good advice that we are often given about using PowerPoints. I will leave it here for today, and next time I continue with the last two well-known pieces of advice on using PowerPoints, and I will endeavour to draw a conclusion on how we as educators should utilise 
PowerPoints. What have you been given of good advice or sometimes strange advice when using PowerPoints? Perhaps you'll let me know. My email is in the episode notes. Until next time, I have been Eva, and thanks so much for listening.